Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. We're back with another In Theaters Now episode. I mean, Hereditary's come out, and there's no reason reason for us to not talk about it. Uh, but m- unlike the two previous ones, this one is really fucking difficult for us to do a spoiler-free discussion. So our advice is just go see the movie. It's great. It's a very good movie. Go see it. Go see it. That's all I can say. Anyone else have anything they want to add in here before we dive into the spoiler stuff? Do not listen don't listen to anything about uh, go in completely blank. It, like the, the trailer, I watched the teaser and then I went in completely blank and it was a much better experience. So do not listen to this even like, oh, I'll just listen to the first part because we're going to spoil the whole fucking movie for you as soon as we start talking. Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the movie. If you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm going to listen to this. Don't. I don't know how else we can get it across. Don't listen oh. to this. And uh, I mean, we warned you. We we gave you a full minute of us explaining to you to not listen to the episode. It's on you at this point. All right, guys, let's talk about hereditary. So we've got Katie with us. As yeah, usual. we got Katie as always, as as is tradition. Hey, Katie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I already just don't want to talk about this. I know. I was feeling the same way. I was like, I'm usually so jazzed to talk about, especially in theaters now, because we have that that energy. But this movie is so, so harrowing. Even just like discussing it, I, I have a pit in my stomach right now. So I have a question, though, because usually Katie has seen these movies twice by the time we sit down and record these. Did you see this more than once yet, Katie? I saw it during South By. Okay, but you only saw it one time? Uh, no, this is the second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it, uh, yes, Friday during the day. The only reason I'm asking that is because I feel like there's probably a lot of shit that I missed in the first time viewing that maybe you caught in the second time. So I'm giving you free reign at any point to be like, yeah, the second time when I saw this, I caught this little hint of like this thing. Because I feel like by the end of the movie, I was very overwhelmed, like sensory wise of information. Oh, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and was having trouble piecing it together. And I'm hoping that like a second viewing clarifies a little bit of that. During South by the director, uh, Ari, whenever he did like his Q&A thing, he was like, people are going to see this movie multiple times and catch things that they didn't catch the first time or even the 50th time. So I feel like once this movie comes out on like Blu-ray, people are going to still be finding things that they didn't see the first go around. I just don't know how much I ever want to watch this movie again. Exactly. As much as I liked it. Yeah. Okay. So so let's get this out of the way. It's a witch movie and I fucking love any good witch movie. And this is one of the best I've ever seen. Like I, I, I cannot give it more of a glowing review than saying it is probably the best witch movie I've ever seen. Even better than The Witch. So yes. here's here's the thought that went through my head as I sat in my car afterwards was like, as a kid, I watched The Omen and Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby and Wicker Man. And I was told mm-hmm. that these movies were terrifying and they never really did anything for me. And my parents always kind of had the like, oh, but at the time, like we had never seen anything like that before. And it was really unsettling. And I was like, okay, well, then this is our Rosemary's Baby and the Exorcist, because like I walked away from the theater so unsettled, so uncomfortable and like not being able to fully comprehend everything that had happened, um, which I think is a huge like I said, it's it. That's amazing. I've also seen all of those movies maybe twice at, at the most because they're not fun for me to watch they're not a good escape no, no, for me yeah, yeah no very stressful. most of what we do is very is very much escapism we don't like torture porn we don't like uh you know like yeah. realism uh it's not we're not watching fucking zodiac at any time here um Sorry, so, Brian. I, I know. <laughs> one of my favorites well but the thing is is that for some reason you may be the most anxious person on the podcast, and yet uh-huh. you're the one who who really enjoys serial killers. Uh, for me, I want monsters because I know that I'm never going to get fucking killed by one. Uh, there's like a uh, an interview with Marilyn Manson that like hits it on the head, where it's just like we're so fascinated about what we're terrified of, you know, that we just want to learn more, um, and that's kind of how it is. I don't know why it, it's almost like uh, every Every serial killer documentary, every book I read, everything I learn about actual real life serial killers is like my real life 80s montage of just getting ready for that moment. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can see that. On Facebook, yeah. The only time that a serial killer is going to get me is when I'm in the shower and I have soap on my face. Yeah. And that is the scariest <laughs> moment of my day every day. Scott, we finally found a use for your acoustic cover of Rock Until You Drop, as we'll just use it as a montage of Brian reading books. And watching <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I, um, so we we talked about, or Matt talked about, what his reaction was walking out of the theater. I want to go through the other three reactions. I'll start. Um, so, I also I I saw it Friday morning at like ten thirty a.m. It was me and two other men in the theater. It was amazing to see it with no one there because I got the surround sound experience and the sound design in this movie is. Even I think it's it, yeah, it's so much. I remember last time we did an in theaters. Now I was talking about how great the the sound design is for a quiet place. I feel like this is as good and possibly better because you're not expecting as much sound design as goes into this. And the soundtrack work, I can't. I read a, I read the guy's name who did it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. He killed it for like someone someone like me who is an aspiring <laughs> composer um i will i don't know if i'll ever be that good he is a master and i've never heard him before but uh, of just doing using very light strings cello bassoon uh and then some some electronic sub bass shit the tongue clicking being integrated into the soundtrack work is just so good. But what I, what I wanted to say was that I saw it like that with just two other people. And then and I walk out into this. I stumble out. I literally stumbled out of the theater into the sunlight. Um, and I was so unsettled and dazed, literally dazed. Like I, I would consider all of us very seasoned horror viewers. Very few things upset us. I was very upset watching this. Um, and so I... Right next door to the movie theater is a world market. And so I just 
kind of stumble into the world market and I spent 20 plus minutes buying special ginger ales because I just needed to think about anything else. And I'd catch myself thinking about <laughs> scenes from the movie and, and, and just I'd shake my head and try and get those intrusive thoughts out. It was – I don't think any movie has ever affected me like this. Maybe like the first time I saw TCM, maybe. Yeah, this is a real – it's a – I don't want to say it's a 70s throwback because that puts a certain type of movie in people's heads, but it has that 70s aesthetic that has been missing since the 80s of that just like go for the gut. We're like we're going all out. We're not like like that fearlessness that was in the early 70s movies. So, no, I don't think that that was like a a really – the 70s as much as – and this is – we can argue this, but I don't think that that was as much – the 70s and more that kind of the the toby hooper basically like that they had nothing to lose because they had a shoestring budget and they're just doing something really out there i, I, I guess think that i guess why, when i say the 70s there's a lot of those guys who it was like that post vietnam like we've already yeah, seen okay. how awful the world is so we don't give a fuck anymore type attitude and like i mean given our current political <laughs> situation yeah. uh, it makes sense that we're getting more and more people that are just like Fuck the system. Fuck, fuck mm-hmm. all the boundaries. We're going for it. Well, one last thing that I want Brian to talk about his experience. But the the one thing I will say about this is that I feel like this is it, – it's interesting that the movies that are the most unsettling right now are family dramas wrapped in horror garb like A Quiet Place and this. And I mean almost it as well because there it's it is kind of – Talking about how dis- the yeah, they're disconnect are- from their parents and stuff. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Brian, please. So I left the theater furious. Um, I saw it on a you Friday. You went with Jade, right? I went with Jade. Jade was so apologetic after the movie because her best friend and her best friend's boyfriend came with us. And like, I don't watch sports and I've been waiting. Like this movie was my Super Bowl. Like I, I, I've been waiting for this movie for a very long time. And the crowd really pissed me off towards the end of the movie. But it didn't take away from the fact that I fucking love this movie through through and through. I love A24. In my opinion, A24 is just this company that is giving independent film like independent films like a mainstream budget. So like they're they're being able to make these independent films with such high fucking quality and so fucking cool. I, I really don't want to get into there's a specific scene that every time I close my eyes, I still see it. But it's so far <laughs> at the end of the movie. I don't want to bring it up just yet. But I absolutely love this fucking movie. Um, like I said to Scott a, a few hours ago, like the the and I talk about it all the time, like the renaissance of the renaissance of horror. I just wish that there was someone that responsible enough to handle it, but to make like almost a new scream style movie, because in my opinion, the rules have changed again for horror. Um, And it's more like the, it's not about death counts. It's not about gore. It is about leaving with a fucking migraine because you are so fucked up over it that your body doesn't even know how to react to the movie. And that's what the movie did for, it seemed like all three of us. Um, uh, I haven't spoken yeah, to Katie I, about I went, it, but yeah, I had to go to bed. I, <laughs> yeah. I had such a bad migraine after the movie. <laughs> like you're just so confused, but there's like, so it's a witch movie. Um, just to give you like an example of two things, uh, that happened that really made me hate the crowd and, uh, Jade's friends that we went with. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a witch movie, uh, without getting into it, there's some, uh, there's some culty shit, which involves creepy ass people naked. A lot of the audience, if they saw a penis left, um, Come on. exactly in my theater too. There was a lot of like high schoolers in my yeah. screening. And then this like is the not a high thing. schooler movie. No, no, no. Oh, Oh, there was a parent that left with her 10 and no, eight year olds from my screening that, that went until 11 at oh night. My God. <laughs> Jesus. And like, they were, they were laughing at the, uh, at the sun so much. And at one point, I don't know if it was Jade's friend's boyfriend or someone next to him, but when they are uh, trying to summon back the uh, – when they're doing the, the seance, 
they were like uh, something like he started crying and he was like, mom, please stop. And they're like, what a bitch. And I'm like, you, are, this is an ex- like fuck? a ghost experience. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I do. I do want to draw. I, I do want to say one thing. I have a handful of tiny nitpicky complaints. And I think that Peter for most of the movie is very good. I think he's he great. is a terrible crier. Like his crier, his Dude, crying did okay. not do it for me. Dude, okay. I've cried like Peter cried in this movie. Like I have been that scared. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and that's the whole point is that like I I mean and I've seen Tony Collette in a lot of movies and I did not see Tony Collette. I saw Annie. You know like yeah. I I saw yeah. her without cuz she's the star. I mean Gabriel Byrne is probably almost as famous as Tony Collette. I, I guess that they're both A-list, but I, Gabriel Byrne, he was a prick in this movie. I was very unhappy with him as I, I understood his character, but you were not supposed to like him. I don't think, um, mm-hmm. but I, I felt like, I think you go through levels of liking him because like you, cause yeah, there was times where I'm like, Oh, you fucking idiot. Like, and I would get like so angry at him, but then other times where like, he tries to defend Peter after Annie has. Yeah. Just okay. Yeah. Like, like like you're like okay, there he cares about his kid, and like that's that's what makes this movie so compelling. Is that at the end of the day, it's actually a movie about two parents and the two different ways that they care, try to protect their kid, mm-hmm. and how they're because they're not on the same page. Kind of, they just yeah, sure. fuck everything up, basically. Well, no, yeah. uh, we'll get into the logistics of that in a, in yeah. in a bit here. But what I'm getting at though is that I think that I, I really felt that the crying was very realistic like everybody mm-hmm. was so that was what was so draining for me watching this film was that the grief felt so real and yeah. that's what i try and escape i watch horror because i don't want the reality of death i don't want the reality of what's left for the people and the life that they have to build after like their kid is murdered by their son like how do you even get past that you know it's, it's just this movie is a really wonderful, realistic. It's wonderful in a terrible way, but it's it's kind of like you know how people. I have not seen it, but people talk about Antichrist being kind of like the embodiment of trying to continue a marriage after such a horrible traumatic um, experience, and yeah. it's you know a stylized ideal of that, and people. I feel like this is very similar to Antichrist where these are not yes, we we um we get a lot more unreality in this film. And I went and I watched or read a bunch of people's discussions about this on Reddit and um a couple uh online uh uh articles and the people's gripes and on Facebook, the people's gripes are so stupid because people went to this thinking that it was going to be like the fucking conjuring and the conjuring is entertainment. This is not entertainment. This is no. actual art. Oh, yeah. I feel like people think that this was like a Friday night date night movie. No fucking way. No, you're meant to watch this movie by yourself. Um, it's just, I would never, watch I, this. I would, I wouldn't watch this with anybody. I would never make Megan watch this. She liked horror. Movies. Yeah. And I told you, I said, your wife never watched this movie ever. No, and it's it's also I I love the bait and switch. People were really pissed because they thought that the last twenty minutes or so were rushed, and I'm like, my 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 feeling, my only gripe about this movie is that I felt that the pacing was very Lynchian and very slow at the beginning. Like that first hour was really hard for me, not necessarily because I think that they did a bad job of it. It's that it was excruciating. It's like pulling your fingernails out with pliers watching Tony Collette writhing on the floor saying, I just want to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was yeah. one of the most horrible things. I don't watch dramas because I don't want that in my life. Uh, going through the second time watching it, it's way worse than the first time because you know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much like the first time I saw the movie, I had only heard the um, – because no one had really seen it yet except for I think at like one festival – where they were talking about how like people were leaving and like, they were like, people were like, we're having like heart palpitations or whatever. I don't know. And then I was like, okay, I have to see this. So the first time I saw it was, it was at midnight during Southwest, which they just like do like the midnight movies 
there. And I, after this movie, I like Elijah Wood was there. And so it made it a little bit better at the end, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like laid in bed for like two hours after I got home and just thought about the movie. Yeah. And I, it, I was going to go see it on Thursday night. Um, and I had tickets for it. And then I got a refund because I just couldn't handle it yet that night. Uh, yeah. So I went during the day thinking that it would have been better the second time around. And it was not better. It was so dreadful knowing what was coming. And I feel like this episode is going to be probably like the most like depressing episode <laughs> that you guys. Have. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> the thing. Like <laughs> I was, I was, even if the ending was quote unquote rushed, like, I was fine with it if it was because I just remember by the end of that movie just being like, I just want this to be over. Like, yeah. I just like, dude, I felt I that way so 20 drained. minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> like when oh, Tony yeah. Collette is writhing on the floor, sure. I was like, get me out of here. But I needed to see it through. And I knew how, that it was two hours and 10 minutes. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. The one yeah. thing as shitty as the crowd was, the one thing that that movie could shut up even a high school crowd was when Charlie gets decapitated, and uh, I I think that the best thing that they could have done as writers, directors, whoever it was, was that accident happened, the whole theater gasped, and then Peter just sat there, and everyone just sat. My hand covered my mouth for a good 30 seconds. Me too, yeah. He just sat there, and and we were all just like waiting for some sort of reaction, and it was... I'm he just get a single couple tears in his eyes. Yeah, and it was, and then it just goes right into the mom. Just those fucking oh my screams, God. like oh, her yeah. going out to the car, and then the screams. Oh man! Well, and you know, like I, and you didn't know her head was theater. gone yet. No, that's the worst part. And then they show it to you. There's a good thirty seconds of just the fucking head with ants and flies on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's I thought they that were going to take horror. it out. I definitely thought that they were not going to let them release that to a widespread audience showing that. And so I was really surprised that it was still in the movie because my jaw literally dropped open when that happened. I was like, holy fuck. But I think yeah. they have to for the ending shot where the head's on top of the statue. Like they have to show it. I don't think yeah. they need to show it for 30 seconds. Um, I also, they- that's another thing <laughs> I noticed the second time around. Uh, well, do you guys want to get into the movie now, or do you want to see yeah. Well, I, I wanted to throw out one more thing, because um, we're already on the topic, was I remember watching the movie and thinking, like, what the fuck, Peter? Like, you got to tell somebody what happened. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, well, what if I got in a car accident and killed one of my siblings? Like, I don't know how, like, I can't even comprehend how I would react. And I feel like. No, I probably would have just gone into like a comatose state and just been like, okay. Well, he doesn't even. I've got to separate myself from this and just pretend it didn't happen. He didn't even want to look in the back seat from the rearview mirror. He looks up and then immediately looks away. Um, But so like you said earlier about catching things second time around, um, when they're driving to the party and they look at the there's they look at the telephone pole um, and it kind of pans across the pole and it has the symbols. sign on yeah on the pole that she gets decapitated Uh, by we got to talk about you know in halloween when jamie is or Lori is in class and is talking when the the teacher's like fate fate is blah blah blah, and 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 it's the same thing where um in the class at the end right before peter um smashes his face into the desk the the teacher is talking about how is it more tragic to create your own folly or to be under the power of someone else. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That's heavy as shit. That's a starting point. Let's just go there. Um, Katie, since you've seen this twice, I'm curious how many other of the, the class lessons are tied that deeply into the plot of the movie. Uh, I honestly didn't really pay attention that much to those. Um, just cause I was trying the second time around, I was more trying to find other stuff that was like more of like, um, I guess like visual instead of actually what was happening. Okay. Because they do talk about like, um, you know, like there's a lot of conversations of fate. I remember in the classrooms and a lot of conversations about like tragedies and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the, uh, they're talking about a Shakespeare play Hamlet? at one point. Macbeth. Ha- 
Macbeth, and I guess I have to reread Macbeth, but I'm willing to bet that you could probably tie Peter Peter there are, killing are Charlie to Macbeth, and there are yeah, witches in Macbeth. Macbeth. The three, which is actually something I had not thought about, but yeah, that the the witch part of Macbeth, yeah, and you know, like those fucking movies. Um, it's almost like Fight Club. Or do you remember the remember Fight Club? When he finds out like Tyler Durden is him, and then it goes to like that quick flashback. Spoiler alert! Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. that quick flashback of just everything that happened previously. And it's him. Yeah, that like that happened to me. Like as soon as as soon as the movie ended, everything flashback. Like the most one of the most important parts of the movie, which is her explaining the fact that like she didn't have, she wasn't really close with the grandmother too much. Um, she kept the grandmother away from Peter. So she couldn't be in contact with him and didn't really let her in the life until Charlie was there because that really answered the one question, which is like, well, why didn't they just, why did they need to put Charlie in Peter's body? Because the grandmother had no contact with Peter whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you go back when you watch it, yeah, we, the the part that I found very very disturbing was when Annie is making the miniatures. They're not necessarily like true life experiences, but they're almost like a an allegory yeah. for for the shit that happens. Um, but they're also kind of premonition slash post premonition, like uh, look behind the veil of because Annie's entire life has been dictated by this cult of Paimon. Uh, when she is... The the most important scene, I think, in the beginning of the movie is when she goes to the, the grief support group and she spills her guts about her childhood. And she says that her mom had DID, um, Dissociative Identity Disorder, and the, and had a hard life. And then her father starved himself to death and then her brother Annie's brother s- killed himself because he said that they were trying to put spirits inside him so this is the timeline uh, that i uh, have put together this is just a pet theory and i'm sure that's it's like 75% correct but so this cult of paimon lynn i believe is the grandmother's name she and her husband try to um, bring Paimon into the into the grandfather's body. It either doesn't work or it works, and then he starves Paimon out, and so he dies. And then Lynn tries to put Paimon in Annie's brother. Her brother uh, kills himself, so it doesn't work. And then so she forces Annie to have a kid. And remember, Annie well, says, "I tried actually- everything." What about what's her name? Uh, uh, Jane. What's her name? Joan. Her son and Joan. his son died too. I wonder if they tried to put yeah, them. Yeah, they, they tried to put them in the well. sun. Yeah, uh, but it, there's also this theory about that I read on Reddit um, about how you need to have three heads to summon Paimon as part of the ritual. So I'm not exactly sure if maybe the grandfather Lynn's husband had to die to help summon Paimon. I don't really know. And you also, when you see the woodcut of Paimon, I believe he is holding three heads. Uh, so this, this three is a really important number because um, Lynn's head, Annie's head, and what's the dad's name? Steve. His name's Steve. Steve. Yeah. Oh, but there's that's, that doesn't make sense because you never see Steve's head. He loses his head after he's burnt to a crisp, but Charlie is also decapitated. So I don't know yeah. what, where the three are specifically for that, but there were three. There are there, I believe, were three dead bodies with their heads off in mm-hmm. the in the treehouse when they crown Peter as Paimon at the very end. So that that's important. But uh, so yeah, I think that Joni's. Uh, son and grandson might have also been an attempt but failed but I, I don't know if that was for sure or if they were trying to get heads for it so I don't know if we really need to know it's just that that was part of the whole Colts trial and then we get um, uh, and also the woman who plays Joan is the headmistress in the Handmaid's Tale and yes. she plays creepy really well 
Yeah, oh, yeah. She Every role so that disturbing. she's in, she does really well being like that weird, like hospitable, nice lady that actually turns out to be a fucking nightmare. So, yeah. So I wanted to bring up two things. First, um, just because I wanted to check IMDb to see if there was any interesting uh, facts. There's really not too much because it's still so early. But one of the yeah. things says that in Peter's first scene at school, the words escaping fate is written on the chalkboard behind the teacher, uh, which also, you know, clearly part of the plot line. And it's also an homage to Halloween because that's written behind the teacher in the classroom. Oh, scene. okay. So I was, I was pretty close. Very nice. Oh, wow. One of the things that I think is very interesting and it's also very off-putting and upsetting is how Annie's work further pushes the movie. Um, and I'm thinking of two things more disturbing than Charlie's head more disturbing than Peter's reaction to me is when you see that Annie is now making a re- like a recreation of the of murder the site accident. That was pretty fucked up. And then yeah. and then uh, Steve comes in and he is not shocked. He's just kind of annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing is, there's a line of dialogue where. Annie says to Charlie, you know, your grandmother loved you so much, she wouldn't even let me feed you. And, you know, you would think that that would mean bottle fed. And then the very next scene, she turns around one of the mm-hmm. one of the things and it's her trying to breastfeed a baby with the mother pulling down her shirt. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I remember, yeah, like, super yeah, I love I love her poor husband. Right. Oh, yeah. He is. He's just trying to be such a good dad and keep everything together, like to the point where when like the grave gets like desecrated, he's like he doesn't say anything to her or anything like that and just tries to keep everything under wraps. And then finally, he's just like, fuck this. Yeah. Before we get into any more, um, I have some lighthearted fun fact about the movie. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine it, yeah. what they are. <laughs> I think if you want to do it now or at the end, <laughs> no, let's let's uh, let's have a little bit yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the uh, set, uh, the little miniatures, those were all created before um, the movie was filmed. Um, and the the person who made the set design um, is uh, by uh, God, what's his name, Steve Newburn, and he's the one who did uh. Team America. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And the miniatures for Team America. (laughs) Can I just ask, did anyone else love, one of the things I I genuinely loved was what they did as far as marketing with the commercial, um, where they took the scene where Peter looks at himself, his reflection and smirks and then slams his face on the desk over and over again, that everybody in the theater jumped at that scene because everyone was expecting him to slam his face down on the desk, but it's actually two completely different scenes. Yeah. No, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, here it comes. He's going to slam his face. And then it didn't. I'm like, did they change something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody jumped and it was nothing. Um, I'm so glad that I didn't, I, I watched that, that 32nd stinger teaser, uh-huh. right? I think it was actually right before it went to South by. And, um, I made a pact with myself that I would not watch anything, not read anything. If if the word hereditary came up, I was Xing out of the page. And that was the best and worst thing I could have done to see this movie. Uh, this was like a such a true cinematic experience, though, because and I was texting with or messaging with Katie after I got out because I was so upset. Um, and I'm like, you know, I, I got there late and I still had to sit through like four previews and previews don't need to be two minutes long with all the expositions and explosions. Oh and my we God. just need 30 seconds to get you interested in the movie. That's all I want anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of weird because it's like, what exactly do you even show as a preview before this movie? Like there's nothing. I got a lot of comedies. Like I was no. like, they, they don't know what to do to send before this movie. The only movie yeah. that it probably isn't a good movie um, but I think I have hope for it and I really want to see it. And I can't think of the name, but it is the one with uh, Harold Ken? from Howard and Kumar where he oh, is yeah. trying to find out where his daughter is. Like that might be a fucking great movie or it might be a terrible movie, but I'm 100% going to see it. I like the idea that it looks like everything's done via social media, which yeah. is kind of interesting. 
thing. It showed during South by and it got uh, pretty good reviews. Um, it was just playing at a time that I couldn't go see it, but I really wanted to see it. Uh, I think it's called Ken. It's called yeah. Searching, I think. No, Ken, oh, yeah, Ken is the one. Ken is the one where the, the kid gun. finds like the alien gun. Yeah, that looks. Oh, sweet. that one looks dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it looks like mindless action. Again, I know I'm the only one who's going to see the Meg in theaters, but I'm really excited for the Meg. I'm totally going to see that in theaters. (laughs) I have movie pass, so I'll probably see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I guess I'm the only one who won't see it because I don't have movie pass and I can't sit through Jason Statham in a theater. I could, I'll do it at VOD for sure, but not. I just love shark movies so goddamn much, and they're I mostly terrible. Why? It's like they trick you. They gave you Jaws, and then every shark movie, <laughs> you're just hoping, like, maybe this one will be a Jaws. It's never a Jaws. It's never, it's never a, Jaws. a Jaws. It's more deep sea. <laughs> yeah, the, the closest I've ever gotten to it being like a Jaws was Piranha 3D. It opened like Jaws. <laughs> It, it opened like Jaws because it's got the same fucking actor. Yeah, Richard Drake is <laughs> sitting on a boat singing Show Me the Way to Go Home. That is not a Jaws. <laughs> another another lighthearted fact, and I don't know if Matt said this and I didn't bring it up, but uh, this movie trailer was accidentally shown at a screening of Peter Rabbit in Australia. Yeah. Yes. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, I, there's nothing that makes me happier than when a horror trailer accidentally plays before a children's movie because it's always it's never like a lighthearted horror film like a horror comedy. It's always the most horrific. Like I think it played before something like it's always the most disturbing possible thing. And this trailer scared me. Like when I saw first of the trailer, it scared me. So I couldn't imagine being seven and just wanting to watch Peter Cottondale or Peter Rabbit <laughs> and then Whoa. seeing... A kid slam his face on a desk over and over again. Well, so so I want to talk about one thing because it it I always think of the trailer when I think about this. And this movie has some beautiful camera work. Oh my it, god. And it's like oh, damn. It's, it's stuff that if it was handled differently, it would have been like too showy or too flashy, but it's it's it either A like you have the scene in Charlie's funeral that they reused that they used in the trailer where like yeah. the camera just keeps panning down and then you're like entering the dirt a little bit. Yeah. And it's like moments like that where you're just forced to linger on it, but it's different than just a static shot. Mm-hmm. But then also they go with like the like her running upside down and the camera zooming around her head, which is similar to something that's uh, Sam Raimi does in the yeah. first Evil Dead movie. Mm-hmm. But it's like. You know, if the whole movie was shot like that, it wouldn't have worked. But now that we're building towards like all of the craziness, like it's just it throws you off. And it's like very well thought out when they did specific camera tricks versus when they just let people sit and linger. Like the fact that the camera doesn't move when Peter's just sitting in the car, like whoever was the cinematographer in this movie did a fantastic job knowing when the right place was to do a stylistic choice and when there was the right place to not do a stylistic choice. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about this movie that also blows my mind is that this is the director's directorial debut. This is his first movie that yeah. isn't a short. And he is, like, the nicest. And he's just, like, this goofy dude um, who was, like... Ari joking. Aster. Yeah, right? he was just joking around yeah. after the movie um, when they were doing, like, the Q&A afterwards. He like reminds me of uh God uh what's the guy who did Black Swan uh Darren uh Aronofsky. um they did like a Q and A thing during South by and he was the most normal dude ever and so I I feel like we're gonna see more from him, this director um along the lines like that more um more so movies like this because you were you were <laughs> there for the Q and A. And there's one thing, and it's kind of part of the reason why I don't like It Follows that much. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like It Follows that much. I think it's it's fine. But um, I remember hearing that during like all of the Q&As with that director, people would ask him, like, well, what, what was this about? Or what did this mean? And he just goes, well, what do you think? Yeah, he did. Like, yeah. was this guy actually willing to answer people's questions? Because there's something that pisses me off about that unreasonable. Yeah, he answered a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, like, a lot of people ask it about, like, the score. Um, they asked about, um, like, the acting pro- process and um, oh, there was one question. I'm trying to remember what it was that he went into depth in depth into it for like 10 minutes during the Q and a 
Um, I think it was just really just how he decided to um, uh, push everything out and make like the slow burn um, because someone was like, this is like your first real movie. Um, how, uh, like how, how, like you took a risk by making it uh, a slow burn and then just blow up at the end, um, which they compared him to Ty West. And I don't know if y'all, I know how y'all feel about him, but I, I like, I enjoy Ty West. I just don't think that he's like the savior of horror. He sure is. Oh God. There it is. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Well, no, I, I loved house of the devil. House of the devil is amazing. It was Me too, man. an amazing film, but he hasn't done anything that I've liked since I've been so incredibly disappointed. Yeah, I've enjoyed the innkeepers, but that was, a that's about Ugh. it. I love that movie. <laughs> no. And Scott knows that I love that movie. <laughs> I hate hate you it's okay (laughs) so one of the things that i was curious about and so she throws the book into the fireplace and it starts to set her on fire Uh but then she throws it in this fireplace and it causes scott or steve to to burst into flames do we have any clue why that change happened or because i think they needed i think that it was just obfuscation for at first um and they really wanted Annie's head. They didn't want. Steve yeah, head. it's just. I think maybe because gotcha. she, she was skeptical at first, and she was like, "I want to get rid of this thing," and then he. I don't know. She wasn't skeptical so, when she tried to burn it the first time, though. That was yeah. after yeah, the seance. Yeah, she'd already gotten. Yeah, she'd already been possessed by Charlie briefly. Yeah, and that um, that was the scene. Not not the book scene, but speaking of her head, that's the scene that to the like for the past two days. If I close my eyes, it's the first thing I see is just her cutting off her own yeah. head, staring at Pete. Like that oh, scene. God, and the sound is effect ta- is. Oh, it's just tattooed her- in my in my mind right now. I'll be honest. The other part, and I feel like in any other movie, I would have been like, "That's so fucking stupid." But her just banging oh, her head against oh, the ceiling, oh, like, God. like that was my just, favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, it was just but, but, perfect amount but of like, time. Be, yeah, but like any other movie, I feel like like a lesser movie, I would have been like, "Oh, great, we're doing this." <laughs> but, but like in this movie, I was like, "Oh, fuck!" Like, <laughs> like, I feel like I've seen that exact same thing in Insidious, and I've been like, "Oh," <laughs> but like for some reason, it just works in this movie because I feel like it earned it in this movie. Um, but yeah, dude, like. The last couple scenes with Peter, when he runs up into that attic, and I'm just like, "Oh no, there's a dead body up there, bro. This is only getting worse." Yeah, yeah. Why would you go up in the attic? I never understood that. When people have like, there's like a home invasion or something's getting them, they go upstairs. I'm like, go out the front fucking door. But also, there was a naked man by the front door. I think, right, <clears throat> right. I don't know the layout of their house, but right when he was looking at that house, that, seems massive. Yeah, it was a big house. <laughs> right, when the door, right was that creepy guy just smiling. Um, oh god and oh, that, you know what uh, this movie does a lot of what made me love the strangers the original strangers is that there's just things with no musical cue to mm-hmm. say like if you don't pay attention and you don't see it happening sorry like you just yeah. missed it but like, yeah um there's like whenever there's a scene like where he like takes a huge bong rip in his room and he goes to blow it out the window and it's the cameras uh showing him from like the field and you can see someone breathing in the cold air. Like you can I see their see breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really like the, the, the beginning of this movie a lot too. I like the idea of just the um, – it just starts off with the obituary. I, re- yeah. I, yeah. I was a big fan of that. That was really cool. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about the tongue clicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was it. <laughs> All right, on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, for something so simple, those tongue clicks, like, and, and they were so oh, the spread out sound. that you were waiting for them. And yeah, the surround sound, there were people behind. You thought it was assholes in the crowd, but it was the movie. There was a couple times where I almost yelled at people for talking in the crowd, and then I realized it was just whispers yeah. mixed into the sound. <laughs> I was like, I was on edge. I, I like normally I'm just like, yeah, people are going to be in assholes in theaters. I'm not saying anything. That's not my business. I was so on edge. I just wanted to be like, shut the fuck up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the movie. It wasn't even anybody. <laughs> oh, man. That would be so funny. Everyone's just quietly watching the movie and Matt just stands up. It's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then runs out. <laughs> uh, I might Jesus. add to it. <laughs> 
Yeah, this movie was... I don't know when I'm going to sit down and watch it again. Probably um, not for years. It was a couple <laughs> months for me, and it still is not long enough. Yeah. Um, I if know. I wasn't doing this with y'all, I would not have watched it. Um, yeah, like, you comparing him to Darren Aronofsky, like, this movie reminds me of how I felt when I watched Requiem for a Dream. Like, I was like, that oh, was yeah. a very good movie. movie. I will never watch it never again. watch it again. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I was halfway yeah. through that movie, and I was like, is it over yet? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, like, and it, it, it's weird. It's, I mean, it's nice that we occasionally get to do these types of movies with the in-theaters now, because, like, we could never do an actual horror movie night episode on this shit. No but, like... Way. And, like, nor would I want to watch a movie like this for a horror movie night. Because, again, it's something I go to to do for fun to get me out of my dreary day, not to, like, yeah. get more depressed. I have some. I have another thing that I noticed. I don't know when this is going to bring in. Um, but where Charlie um, has the talk with her mom about, uh, I guess, maybe it's in the bedroom, or I don't remember where it was at, where they said that the grandma wanted her to be a boy. Um, yeah. And at her funeral, she's buried in a blue coffin. Um, which is oh, um, nice. I didn't notice that second part. Yeah. Um, hey, here's a fun fact. <laughs> uh, so I just went to hop on to. I was like, let me rate this movie on Netflix before I forget to, because I still do the discs. And if I don't rate it, then it'll start recommending it to what me. What year is um, it? I know. Uh, so when you go to a movies page, underneath it, it says like you might also enjoy. And I'll take a snapshot because three of the five suggestions are just TV movies of the Naked Boys Band, which is what Peter did before yes. he was in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, him and his brother. Um, he he was actually in my friend Dahmer, um, and he did really good in yeah. that movie too. Yeah, I love um, that movie. We won't we won't go back to how I embarrassed myself to him, so we'll just go ahead and move on. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that story. <laughs> I told Jade that when we were walking into uh, the theater. I said, yeah, the guy that was in this movie, this girl that's on our podcast, Katie, met him and uh, confused him for his brother. Yeah. And then I, then I got to sit next to him for the whole two and a half hours. And so that was cool. Um, fucking hell. <laughs> Um, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that um, kind of annoyed me uh, where people and I'm like one of those people that'll go watch a trailer and then I'll read the comments just to see how fucking stupid everyone is. Um, when this trailer first came out, there were so many people talking shit about the way that the girl looked in it. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's so fucked up because that's what she looks like in real life. Um, yeah, and also she, she was palette. Matilda. Well, I think that, yeah, she has a cleft palate, but I also wonder, does she have that disorder, that genetic disorder that um, the guy from Stranger Things has? Um, maybe. Because I can't I tell, I can't tell by her teeth. Uh, I mean, at, at South by she looks, I mean, she looked the same, but like, I mean, she obviously had her hair done like she probably does every single day yeah. and like wore like normal clothes. Um, right, right. But I think he did a really good job at like what they were wearing, like a kid that's 13 years old. Definitely wears an oversized hoodie and stuff like that. I hate when they try to make children more mature than they are in movies, mm-hmm. like where they make them dress really nice. It's like I have a 10 year old sister and she fucking wears the worst outfits. <laughs> so I hate when they like sit, like they always like make them wear like really nice outfits. And it's just like, that's not what fucking kids wear. Okay. And their hair isn't always done. My hair, my sister's hair is the greasiest thing I've ever fucking seen. At all times. Yeah, because you have to like. Isn't it your job to like tell her not to look like that? No, that's not my job. Not my kid. <laughs> <laughs> what a great sister. Right. That's my job in high school. Not now. I don't care. So, so I want to talk a little bit about the peanut allergy, the nut allergy, mm-hmm. rather. Yeah. So, um, yeah. when when you see Charlie at the funeral, mm-hmm. she takes the candy bar out. And she takes a bite and it crunches. And then um, Steve comes up and says, are there nuts in that? And she shakes her head, no. And that really confused me because I understood. I love that they said and they showed instead of said that she has a a severe nut allergy because then um, Annie is like, are there nuts in that? Because we don't have the EpiPen here. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that. But they... I, I believe that, that that crunching implies that there were nuts in it, right? 
Um, like that's the way I saw it. No, because there's not like well, there's not it, nuts in a crackle. Okay, well, this is why I think that because so you hear like nuts kind of you hear something crackling, cracking, crunching, whatever when she's eating that candy bar, mm-hmm. and that kind of put it in my mind like okay, they think she has an allergy. Are they just – because at this point, I didn't know it was a witch movie. We got way – we're like at the hour and 45-minute mark before you really catch on that there's a witch movie going on, which I loved. I think that the runtime could have been a little tighter. That's really a very small gripe. But um, you know, when you actually find out it's a witch movie, I'm, I was so relieved because I didn't want it to be a mental health thing where Annie – I didn't want it to be like Tyler Durden where Annie is doing all this shit and just thinking that it's not realizing it. Yeah, that would have and been they a put that in your head with the sleepwalking yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, the sleepwalking is cool because she it means that she could she could only be compelled to do things when she was awake. When she's asleep, it's like her id knows that there's something wrong with her children and that's why she was going to douse her whole family in in paint thinner and light them on fire so that they could not be sacrificed to Paimon. Yeah. Which I think was really cool. Mhm. But Back to the whole – so I mentioned this earlier on how they no, the tragedy of Hereditary is that no one really has any sort of – no one's going to get out of this alive. The, the, everything has been architected by the cult so that everything happens exactly as planned. Like when they go past on the way to the – so first of all, Peter wants to go to the party. Um, somebody invites him to that party. I, I'm going to guess – that it was probably somebody that's involved in the cult because that cult has its hooks in every part the of their part, life. The high school party? Uh, second. No, his yeah. friend texts him about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying that I'm pretty sure that there's that somebody. Friend, that friend could be tied to somebody that's tied yeah. to the yeah. cult. Rewatching the, I want to rewatch that end scene because there are teenagers up in the treehouse. And I wonder if some of them show up in the party. Yeah. So anyway, Peter gets invited to this party and he tells Annie he wants to go. She's like, are you going to take your sister? And Charlie doesn't want to go. But Annie makes him, makes makes him take her. And as you as they drive past the pole that eventually decapitates Charlie, you see the, the symbol on it. Uh, you also see the symbol on Annie when she's doing the eulogy and on Lynn when she's in the casket. So even Annie is under the control of the cult and she doesn't realize it. So um, they go to the party and the girl is chopping nuts and Peter is just like, I want to go smoke a bowl. So he tells Charlie to go get a piece of cake. Why is that girl chopping nuts? There are no nuts on that chocolate cake. No, there are. That's because no, there were not. There is not. It was a chocolate cake. They used the same knife and that's how she had an anaphylactic reaction. But that I really think that that means that the cult had something to do with that party, but also I wonder if she didn't really have a nut allergy. I wonder if she didn't because she's at the she's eating that chocolate bar and I wonder if they're implying that Paimon is inside Charlie. And when you you read the uh Wikipedia about Paimon, it says that the demon um the king of hell, Paimon covets a male body, but it's also shown in the Lesser Seals of Solomon um as having a man with a woman's face which I thought was a very interesting addition because it's saying like, Charlie says, grandma wanted me to be a boy. Um, also, Lynn wanted Annie to be a boy, by the way. So it's it's a hereditary thing, which goes back to the title. I love that. But so they go to the party. I wonder if that anaphylactic reaction was Paimon trying to get Peter to speed home and then they put the deer in front of that pole so that it could be architected to decapitate Charlie because that's the way he had to get out of the body. Yeah. Uh, because Paimon is in. Yeah, it says in the Wikipedia page that Anne concludes that Ellen allowed Charlie to be possessed by Paimon huh. at her birth. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that at all. Yeah. They wanted Peter and Annie left, uh, kept Lynn, uh, Lynn, is, is it Ellen or Lynn? It's Ellen. Ellen, okay, sorry, my bad. Um, so the grandma wanted Peter to be the vessel and Annie would not let him, her near him. So that's why they went to Charlie with the expectation that sometime down the road, they'll kill her off. And I loved the, the visual of that light that kind of like pushes towards something. And it's, it's a much more subtle, like Donnie Darko. Yeah. In a way, like so much better than Donnie Darko. Yeah. Coming out of people. Yeah. But that's, (laughs) that's the sign of Paimon having sway over someone 
uh, which I think is very, very cool because after, after everything happens and, uh, and, and Paimon cannot occupy a live body. That's why Joan is saying, Peter, I expel you. She's basically like saying you need to die so the Paimon can inhabit your body. So he jumps out the window at the end, dies. And then when he comes back to life, that's when the light goes inside him. That's Paimon. So when he stands up, that's Paimon slash Charlie. And I thought that it was odd that they called him Charlie and say your body has been correct. Your original female body has been corrected. This is a male vessel for you, blah, blah, blah. I think it was interesting that Paimon was Charlie for 13 years. And so they're still calling him by the name, which is also normally a man's name, mm-hmm. but they named a girl Charlie. And it's the name of Ellen's husband oh, and Ellen's okay. grandfather. Very In the obituary, it says uh, okay, that, that makes she was married sense. to Charlie. Um, cool. I was going to ask because when she goes through the box um, where they make the um, uh, the doormats, there was one that said Annie and Charles. And I was like, mm-hmm. who the fuck is Charles? So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about how you thought it was kind of weird that they called uh, Peter Charlie in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I guess it it's not like a obviously I love this movie and I will probably always like this movie. But I feel like it's weird that Peter seems so confused by everything if he is Paimon at this point. Like at that point, I almost wish that he had like a sinister smile or that something. Would have, to kind that would have ruined it. But if that you would have absolutely been. Way too much like um, Truth or Dare. Well, no, no, no. I don't mean like the, the – I just mean like him actually being excited. Like, I don't know. He just looks dumbfounded. Like, it, it. Like I was looking at his face. I'm like, so did the whole thing fail and Peter's just like not sure what's going on anymore? The point, like, was, the point was to try to know. get Charlie into Peter's body in order for everything to happen. Uh, this is what I got out of it. So if – then the reason I got that out of it is if you look at Peter's face – the, at the end of the movie, when he is walking and his reaction to things and how he's looking at things, it is so identical to Charlie's reaction at like the funeral, everything that she looks at with this like done for, like from when she looks at her grandmother to when she looks at like the people at the thing. It's like almost identical their reactions to yeah. everything. Yeah, she looks so much. He looks so much like Charlie when she's walking out into the field. Yeah, and she's just like got like yeah, an interesting nice. look. That's what I think. I mean, I don't fucking know. This movie is much smarter that, than me. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I'll accept that. Also, that field scene where she walks out there and there's just an old grandma with perfectly done hair just sitting in front of a fire, which is awesome. I believe that's a burning body. I think that's a premonition of uh, of of Steve. Hmm. Um, also I sent uh, a 24 came out with this calendar that I sent Scott (laughs) (laughs) and I wouldn't click on it because I didn't want to have anything spoiled for me that's how that's how insane I was about no spoilers you could have watched the first hour of this movie and not have been spoiled well I didn't know that at the time (laughs) so this calendar a 24 came out with this calendar and it's called evil grandma's wall calendar and it's just grandma's doing the there's like one where this there's a cake with a uh, 666 on it with just like the normal like kid birthday candles and she's lighting a cigarette off of it <laughs> and there's another one of this asian grandma who just made a uh, it's for december that she made a gingerbread house and it's on she lit it on fire and she's like it, it looks fucking cool i really want it but it's 30 dollars <laughs> no 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 so I, 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 there are other things that I wanted to talk about, but I just, I don't even remember now. <laughs> I was gonna say we've gone an hour. I'm not Holy sure fuck. if there's anything else anyone okay. um, throw in there. I kind of want to throw. <laughs> I said something to Scott uh, on Friday about it. How this movie kind of reminds me of uh, Rosemary's Baby at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's why I compared it to that earlier on because it does have that like. It very much reminds me of probably of all the movies I named. It reminds me the most of Rosemary's. Yeah, Baby. it's just I love that when they like it gave me like a flashback to Rosemary's Baby, like the first time I saw it, where I was like, "Holy shit, these old people are fucking worshiping Satan!" Uh, and it like it was it's just such like a weird feeling to see like old people doing stuff like that. But I'm guessing in the world today, there's probably a shitload of people who still do things like that. Well, you know, after you said that to me, it kind of ruminated. I ruminated on it um, because 
I was thinking back at the end of this, Joan is leading the cult in saying, Hail Paimon. And it reminded me, you're right, of at the end of Rosemary's Baby when the cult is of the witches, the coven is there and they go, um, Hail Satan, God is dead. Uh, very, very similar. And I'm sure that that's on purpose. And I, I think that that's an okay, I don't want to call it a throwback, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We're all in agreement that we absolutely do not want them to make a second movie, correct? Fuck they won't. No. How they could won't. you make a they, second they won't. one? It's A24. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, I they they won't. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Well, maybe they're going to make 9 because there are 9 Kings of Hell and we only saw one come to earth. <laughs> I mean, my my sequel my sequel space is all saved up for this year, man. I got the new Halloween, I got the new <laughs> Puppet Master coming out. I mean, <laughs> We um, finished casting it, it seemed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, oh, need it. Uh, how stoked are we all that Jessica Chastain is going to be adult uh, Bevy? I'm Fuck super- yeah. I love the yeah. cast. Did, they released it, was it yesterday or the day before, of all of the kids? Um, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they released every character. Um, there's a couple of them that I didn't recognize. Uh, the one who's playing Ben, I don't know who he is. I'm fine with that, though. I, I think that the less note, like, I I know a lot of people had that opinion. I'd rather them go with a couple lesser known actors since the movie's going to make a shit ton of money regardless. And it, you know, it always mm-hmm. helps when you don't recognize the actors from like a thousand other movies. So you can just kind of ease right into buying them as like, yeah, no, that's grown up Ben. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I'm excited. Oh, shit. To Bill see. Haters in it. <laughs> I'm excited to see James McAvoy try and do Billy because I think it's going to be a hard role for him to play it down so much since he normally plays roles that are so like high strung. Um, so I think that'll be really good. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is the Halloween trailer. I purposely did not watch any teasers. I didn't watch the trailer when it was posted on YouTube because I thought they were going to play it before this movie. And I was so furious that they didn't play on the big screen. Um, yeah. And then after the movie, I went and immediately watched it on YouTube afterwards. And I was so upset that I didn't get to watch the trailer in the actual theater. You'll see it soon enough. Before the Meg, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so all I really have to say about this, all I have left is that the movie was fucking great. A24 is my godsend. My next Super Bowl coming up isn't a horror. It's eighth grade. They're putting out, written and directed by Bo Burnham, that I am seeing opening night. That movie's And I great. fucking love A24. It's really good. Oh, see, I'm, I'm so excited. And A24, the only thing they've done is they have just, they they kind of keep me from writing. Because I always, there's always been a part of me that wanted to like make a movie. And then A24 came out and I'm like, yeah, I'm not built for this. These people are way too good. I can't make movies like this. <laughs> stick to stick to making jokes about horror movies. And that's where I am on this podcast. That's all I have to say. There's more of horror movie night to come from here. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll probably be funnier. <laughs> yeah, this movie's great. Uh, I don't think we'll be doing another one of these until probably Halloween. Um, but yeah, soon enough, I'm still going to go see the Meg. <laughs> we know you're seeing the Meg. <laughs> no one doubted you when you said it. The first four times. <laughs> hey guys, you want to see the Meg? <laughs> I'll see that movie with you and we can just talk about it. Cause I want to see it. Yeah. Let's, does it come out in September? We can skip Fright Fest and just see the Meg. I don't know. Do we, do we have to do in theaters now for horror? Because I wouldn't mind doing one next week for Incredibles 2. That way I can convince Jade to go with me. <laughs> After this one, she probably won't be going to Sorry. movies with you for a while. No, she probably loved it. She this. did. She's a horror mom. Yeah, she, she actually did. Believe it or not, she really enjoyed it. She kept apologizing for her friends for not enjoying oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That... I, w- I asked my friend to go watch it and she saw the trailer and I she sent me like 20 texts in a row. She's like, hell no, hell fucking no. I remember when you saw this in March. Fuck no. I can't believe you even asked me to watch this. Fuck you. Why don't you tell her that we're going to do an episode for it and we don't? Oh, that works like a liar. <laughs> I like it. Well, just say you got confused and I said that I was seeing it for an in theaters now for the Disney podcast, and you just got confused. I, I like it. Horror <laughs> movie night, orchestrating lies to your girlfriends live. 
I'll just say, hey, we're going to see Upgrade. And then when we get there, be like, yeah, they upgraded Incredibles to a sequel. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> <laughs> friends the world got you down don't be sad listen to two dollar late fee with zach and dustin two dollar late fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment the 1980s we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today we also interview your favorite celebrities from that era all in the spirit of positivity and togetherness check us out at two dollar late fee.com Listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the Fem Fam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 